between us in a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. For new listeners, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com or Alan Watt Sentin Sentinel for lots of free information made available by other people who've helped to contribute over the years. Keep all these sites up with lots of information of this matrix system we're in. So look in SentinelSentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages too if you're from Europe. And this matrix certainly is very, very deep. It's multi-leveled, and the beauty of it from the controller's point of view is that those inside it at the bottom don't know where they are or even how they got there. And yet each one of them will tell you if they're asked that they're perfectly sane. But why do they know they're sane? It's because everyone they know around them has the same opinions and talks about the same topics and wants the same things to purchase and have at the same time. That's how you judge your sanity. If everyone else has the same opinions and everything, it doesn't mean that anything in it is true or real. And that really doesn't matter. If they told you the earth was flat or square, and that became the normal, and everyone said so, you judge yourself as sane if you thought so too. That's how reality is projected to us. And we live very short lifespans. Very, very short. We run through life. We buzz through life like a bee because we are the worker bees for this system. Something well understood and taught in higher economic classes in special universities that the elites attend where they don't pretend that they're there to serve anyone. They're there to rule over people. They come from long generations of the same type of, of families inter, intermarried down through the centuries. And they talk about economic units, and that's what every person is in economics. You're an economic unit. You're a producer and consumer. That's your purpose. That is the definition from the United Nations, the big front organization that was set up during and at the end of World War II to take over as the, the front for the big fascist corporations and families that, that rule it. They say that uh, a good citizen is a good producer and consumer. What happens when you stop being a good producer? Well, then obviously you're not a good citizen. You're a useless eater, you see. You're simply a parasite on society because you must produce for tax reasons it's through taxation that the big governments and multi-leveled bureaucracies, incredible layering of bureaucracy upon bureaucracy to deal with every facet of your life depends. They live on tax money. The big building projects that we pay for and our children and their children will pay for too under compound interest laws are done through tax money. The big road building projects, especially, and that's been done since the 
days of ancient Rome. They built roads everywhere they went, all the lands they conquered. They forced the public to accept money and then taxed it all back from them and then, and then they employed them to work on the roads. It's quite a good trick, isn't it? And it's still going on today. Once the roads are completed, of course, the government say it's just not feasible, it's not economically feasible to maintain them. So they have to hand them over to private companies, which were pre-chosen before they even planned the road. That's how the real system works. I'll be back after these messages. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi folks. Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. Just touching on some of the, the structures around us and how we take them for granted without ever really analysing them. The reason we don't analyse them is because our parents didn't know either that it was even happening. They floated through the changes themselves. Really, they scurried through the changes as their system, their wars were done and completed and over, and they breathed a, a sigh of relief and then went into factories and worked themselves into the pensionable age. The pension is given up there as a carrot for you to follow, for you to chase, to behave yourself and get once you retire. And then hopefully once your, your run is over, your race is over, you can enjoy that pension and go fishing. That's what one hopes for really, is sort of cushy life after all the, the worrying and the fretting is done. And it doesn't really work that way because of inflation. This magic word inflation and deflation it's all a bag of wind, really, isn't it? But uh, our lives are run on this, this nonsense of inflation because it means that someone somewhere at the top of your country can declare at any time what the value of your currency happens to be worth that day. Regardless of all the safeguards and precautions you've taken yourself, you think you've, you've saved up enough to, to get you through your latter years or to get you through hospital operations and insurance policies and all the, the what-ifs that you try and, and work around, the possibilities of mishaps, etc., only to be destroyed by someone at the top or a cabal of men who are, are pulling the stunt of, of changing the currency through inflation or literally changing it all together from one name of the currency to another where they generally double the price. That's what happened in Britain, for instance, because they altered the structure of the money just prior to the unification of Europe. And that even the people in Britain now forget about that. It was done in the early 70s. And overnight, literally, the, the value of the shilling was changed. It used to be 20 shillings to a pound. It all altered overnight. Now you had new shillings with five pennies, where there used to be 12 and stuff like that, plus they hit us with value-added tax at the same time, which thoroughly confused the people. But when the dust cleared after a couple of years, everyone realized they'd been ripped off and being good little citizens.
everything, forgot all about it, and, and, and continued as usual, trying to keep up. That's how the system works, and this will happen in the Americas too. We know we're going to have a currency for the unification of the Americas. And I have no doubt whatsoever they'll pull the same tricks, and they'll probably tell us, well, the value is just dropping and dropping and production isn't keeping up with it and all the rest of it and imports and exports and yada, yada, yada and all the magic ones that they wave to bamboozle us. But the fact is, you see, it's on the cards. And as America finishes off standardizing the Middle East under this one system called democracy, they'll pull the rug at home as well, gradually, not completely altogether, but just gradually, so they can bring in the, the Amero the new type of currency that they've already stated in the Canadian newspapers and on Canadian television, and everyone's forgotten that too because people have no memory these days, they said the Amero will be used eventually by all Latin American, American countries because all the Latin American countries will be part of the American Union eventually. So we're told the truth. It's just that most people don't really want to believe it. Even when they've heard it themselves, they don't want to believe it. They cannot understand what they think is their world or their concept of a world they've grown up in changing by a few men at the top. It doesn't compute with them. So they go into a denial stage and they let it happen. They allow it to happen. And the reality is to, in this system, it will happen because we don't have any say in where we're going. We never really did have a say in where we're going. The ones who have a say in where we're going have their offices and their complexes all around your main parliamentary or congressional buildings. They're called lobbyists, and they are full-time lobbyists for the big international corporations and the banks. These are the men who have instant access to presidents and politicians and get all the big government contracts. And these are the men who also help to rule over the younger congressmen or politicians and map their careers out for them because all politicians want to eventually get out of politics and become CEOs of big international corporations and maybe eventually go back into politics like a ping-pong ball. It's quite a corrupt system we live in, and it's not new. It's been here all along. The public are meant to believe that somehow uh, whatever character they give you to vote for and gets into to the, to the Parliament or Congress, same thing, is actually there to represent you until he turns around and says, well, I can't really. I have to go with the party. I have to vote with the party on this issue. So what's the point in voting for him at all? The dialectical party, this one or that one, that hand or that hand, the left leg or the right leg, it's all the same stuff. Or the, the wings, as you used to call it, left wing and right wing. And it's very appropriate because you see the bird, the bird that has the wings is made of one body and the big body is hidden behind a shield. That's to shield them from the public. We don't have what we think of as democracy, although it's pushed from the top as though it was a magic Christian word or something, a holy word, democracy. We don't question it because we hear it so often. It's a holy type word, democracy, according to most people. Like it's fair and just, and that's what we're meant to believe. And yet we have...
have no say in what goes on. You'll never hear during any election any important details discussed outside of welfare, uh, unemployment benefits, and health care. That's all you hear in any country. It's the old, old trick. And once they get into their, their governmental positions, the guys that you vote for turn around and they're off signing up NAFTA agreements and, and globalist trade agreements and GATT treaties and sending all your factories off to China. They never mentioned that, that any of this during their campaigning, by the way. And it doesn't matter when they do, because they're, they're liars and they turn around and change their mind. Canada was an excellent example of this, because here we had uh, Moroni, Prime Minister Moroni, for the so-called conservatives, or progressive conservatives, as they call them, which means neocon. Not started in the U.S., but actually Maggie Thatcher's company was the first ones to use the term. And Brian Mulroney was ran on campaigning. He ran his campaign on against uh, any free trade negotiation with the states or unification with the Americas. Once he was in, within two weeks, it was in all of our national papers, he changed his mind, and now he was a leading proponent for it. He was the champion to lead it. And we suffered that for a few years, and then we vote out the old guys and got the new guys in when he change it. And that was Mr. Cretien, who ran his campaign on stopping it all. And sure enough, once he was in power, same thing again. It must be an infection they catch when they get into Parliament building. And he became the champion for NAFTA. We watch these tricks over and over again as we keep getting caught up in elections and the farce of elections. We have no memory of all the lies in the past, which is really incredible, really, when you think about it. And the older you get, the more you should remember and how many times do you have to get stung before you wake up? We don't have the rights. We are living a business plan, a long-range business goal, something that was arranged before any of us were actually born, or your parents either, for that matter. And you can go back into the early 1900s and find out when they started up the beginnings of what became the Council on Foreign Relations American branch of the British Royal Institute for International Affairs for global government, you, you find that there's much more written about it by the people involved, politicians and even presidents looking forward to a particular new global utopia and in the United Americas and Europe and Pacific Rim region. And they've been diligently working all down through these over a hundred years to bring us to that point. They also did say that they would use all institutions, and that included the Masonic institutions, the International Brotherhood, to help guide it along as well. And that's where you'll find most contracts from the government are handed out to. If you want to know who gets the contracts for anything in your local or national level, just look into the Pre-Masonic Society, and then you'll then realize why every ad for government contracts says, that those who are best qualified and perhaps giving the lowest bid but won't necessarily get the contract. Uh, what they're admitting is you have to be a certain type of brother to get the contract. That's what they mean by that. And our whole system is run that way. If you look into the obituaries in your local area, look out for when a person who's on the school board and on the local council board and a whole bunch of your boards, including educational, uh, uh, male or female. And just look 
into what they belong to and you'll be astounded, absolutely astounded to see all of the organizations you had never realized were all Freemasonic in nature. And that's how they get the jobs. That's how from coast to coast, from north to south, this agenda works together uh, like, a, like an interwoven net perfectly it machined all coming together it's because there's a mandate and it's the mandate that keeps they're all told at the top what the mandate is and they guide us like sheep which we are according to them we are sheep we are here to get fleeced and eaten we're guided along to the next step are you everybody knows that the days are loaded everybody rolls with Fingers crossed, everybody knows the war is over, everybody knows the good guys lost, everybody knows the fight was fixed, the poor stay poor, the rich get rich, that's how it goes, everybody knows. Hi folks, John Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix, just going through some of the reality that's around us that most people don't see. They don't see it because they're conditioned not to see it, they're conditioned to believe in the propaganda and all of the disinformation that's programmed into them from birth. They're told they're free, always told that they're free, it's a great trick to tell someone that all over and over until they actually think that they are free, until maybe when they're older, they look at all the choices that they made in life, and they realize they were really restricted within certain boundaries and classes and economic status and so on to achieving any goals that they may have laid out. And even the goals they could have laid out would still be within this particular type of economic system where you are an economic unit, a producer and consumer. We have never really had a chance to be individuals, and that's the key to it. Because in the 1700s, for the first time, especially in the United States and some parts of Canada, individuals could go off into the bush and be completely independent from everyone else if they so wanted to be so. They were always followed later on with small villages and towns, and came the lawyers, and came the church committees, and women's committees for the churches. And before you knew it, you had all these regulations and rules and bureaucrats who need to be paid by tax money. That's how the system followed them. At least for a little while in the Americas, there was a chance, the first chance that anyone really had had since the Romans came into Europe. Very, very brief. And it was a time of individuality where the rugged individual was lauded and applauded for, for being so, for being so independent. The elite, of course, couldn't have that. It didn't fit with their plans. If people became independent, they'd lose all power. Therefore, they had to start pushing back communitarianism, as it's called today. In fact, George Bush Sr. pushed the term and said we must use this communitarianism. It's from the United Nations, actually. I say the big front group for the fascist corporations. It's a front group that uses democracy as its banner and, and 
They talk about quality and all these, these buzz terms that mean nothing at all anymore. Because the United Nations is an unelected body of people. You see, it's not democratic. It never was democratic. And yet it tells everyone else to go to war to fight for democracy. The United Nations has layers upon layers of bureaucrats, identical to all the ones that you have in your own governments. For everything your government has for bureaucrats, that's plumbing, electronics, everything, they have an equivalent department at the United Nations because they are there to take over as the world government eventually. It might not be the final one, but it's a transition phase. But they are unelected. They also have a special school for the offspring of the people who marry within the United Nations complex. So they also believe in eugenics, you see. They believe they're a superior type inside the United Nations. Quite interesting. If you wonder why we're all going the same direction to do with eugenics and and basically the DNA codes and so on and rectifying all the defective genes, just look at the United Nations. They are a good example as they interbreed amongst themselves for the higher bureaucratic positions. They don't believe in democracy, but they do understand they must use that term. They con the public to, to rise to prominence. It was during the Kosovo War we began to hear for the first time United Nations on every broadcast until it's almost a daily event. Up until then, most people thought it was a sort of charitable group like the Salvation Army. They went around handing loaves of bread to hungry children in the world, and that is the PR version they give you as they occasionally do something for disasters. And, but the real, the, real, the real fact is, you see, they were set up to eventually take over all the militaries of the world under their umbrella and be the global policemen. They still have to use China for a while. That's still to come before the UN becomes the total world policeman. That will happen in a few years' time. It won't be very long. Once the U.S. exhausts itself in the Middle East and finishes off that part of its job. So you should check into the history of the United Nations. UN is one in French. They are the one, you see. Count the little uh, parts of their logo, all the little parts of the grid on their logo. It's an interesting number you'll come up with as well. They are the, the, the people with the white horsemen outside their door. You know the symbol of that, too. Very, very interesting organization, highly occultic in nature, set up, came out of the League of Nations, L-O-N is one country's term for lion, which blossomed into the one. Very interesting history. And read H.G. Wells' non-fictional work on the League of Nations, because he boasts about its function, and he said that's the end of nationalism as we know it. Check it up for yourself and read it. I'll be back after these following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. That the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over 
Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Hi, folks. Alan Watt back here with Cutting Through the Matrix. And I think we have Jake in Texas on the line. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh-huh. Um, well, I have a an observation and a question here. Yeah. Uh, my first observation is um, I worked for several years for the company that built the harp transmitters. Uh-huh. And uh, before I worked there, I, I didn't realize, I, I was kind of skeptical about what everybody was saying that it could actually do. Uh-huh. Until I actually worked on the on the hardware itself, uh-huh. and I noticed that the people there they um they're they're pretty much brainwashed because they're they're in their certain little mode. Um, one day, one of the engineers was kind of complaining about why the test specs for this other project were a certain way and. I made the observation, yeah, those frequencies can be used for uh, mind control manipulation. And he gets a horrified look on his face like, oh, yeah, I can see where that could happen. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe a half an hour later, he didn't even know I had said anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a human trait, too, when you are being paid big bucks to do a particular job. Your, your, your subconscious will kick out all um, nasty information because you think of yourself as a good person. And so that's how all horror shows begin, and that's how they can always have the, the helpers they need to pull it off. Everyone thinks they're really a good person, and therefore I'm not involved in anything nefarious. Right. Yeah. And, and my, my question is, um, my father spent some, some time in prison, and when he got out of prison, he was not the same guy. And I don't know if he, he's he been brainwashed or chipped or what. Uh-huh. And I was wondering if, if there's really anything you can do once somebody's been that indoctrinated or yeah. How long was he? Or, how long was he in for? Uh, about five years. Uh-huh. Well, it was the second time he was in, too. And the first time, he, he came out the same guy he was when he went in. But after about 20 years of of searching, I I finally realized why he was put in prison. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have anything to do with criminal activity. It was because he had um, turned down an offer to participate in a a government scam deal. Uh Uh-huh, okay. So, yep. <laughs> but mm-hmm. he well, doesn't remember though, anything a, about it now. Yeah, there's a good book out there. It's called Acres of Skin. Acres it's with all the testing that they did on prisoners and still do all over the United States and how their government is sponsored and often done on behalf of drug corporations and high-tech corporations. It's full of uh, declassified information. It's authentic. It's called Acres of Skin. And you'll okay. find uh, in there the stories of lots of prisoners who, who, whose personality was broken uh, through the experiments they, they went through while in prison. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Bye. Yeah, we, we live in a horror show, really, folks. And 
And under this facade of, of uh, progress and culture, the scientists are going to make, and they are in fact making our life uh, an even a worse hell than it already is. Scientists should not be involved in any social or political movements because they're not qualified to be involved in those particular things. Read through all of the statements of Einstein and, all, and read all the asinine, silly things he said on politics. He knew no more, no more about politics than the average plumber did. And yet here he is because he's a scientist and a good mathematician trying to decide the course of the world for the public. He didn't believe that people either had any right to decide on their own fate. He thought the experts should rule their lives for them, all the brighter ones. He was a totalitarian in his own way, that sweet little man that's blown out of all proportion to exactly what he really was because he was classed as an idiot while at school. But he did work for the patent office in Switzerland and he was very good at sending off and stealing people's inventions to his bosses and so they made him a famous man. That's the world as we li- that we live in. It's nothing like the one that the school book, history books give us. Vastly different. It's a corrupt system we do live in. And the psychopathic types at the top are, are in charge of it, as they must be in this particular economic system. It's their system, you see. This is their playground, money. And economics is their playground. And they have given us a system and trained us into it long ago. And only themselves can get to the top because a natural human being with a conscience can't destroy people to achieve success. Only the psychopath can do that and sleep well at night and rationalize it too to themselves. No matter what they do, a psychopath will always rationalize because they are super ego. They must protect their ego at all costs. No matter how bizarre the story or the excuse sons to the general public. The rapist does the same. The rapist could do many rapes and murder his victims and still say in court that these victims actually wanted him to do it. He must rationalize it round to suit himself. And they do. They do this kind of thing. And taking people to wars for vast profits is just a psychopathic technique. And as Karl Marx said, all wars are economic in nature. Stealing is stealing, and plundering is plundering, and slaughter is slaughter. You can't dress it up with nice-sounding convictions and phrases that are regurgitated down through the many, many centuries, such as taming the barbarians or bringing Christianity and civilization to to the peasants or the or the as I say the barbarians. Our armies sick of the same old stuff over and over again as you watch the big corporations looting the planet and killing? And are we sick too of our own offspring who, once they hit 18, they're so willing to go off and get dressed up in their fancy duds and carry a gun and go and do their master's bidding for them? Are we sick of that too? Are we sick of human nature, in fact? Isn't it time that some other way was taught to people so this can all be stopped? before it takes us to the final end, which must it must take us to. This system, this path from Eden, can only end up in one place, and that is totalitarianism. We're already under it. We were under it before 9-11 came along. That's what all the censuses were about. And the increased censuses, it used to be every 10 years they gave you a census. And they started halving that, bringing it down to four years, now three. 
is because they must have all information on every single individual at all times because totalitarianism runs on the predictability of each individual. Everyone must be completely 100% predictable and that means obviously eventually they'll have to eradicate your own ability to be a deciding individual. That's what the brain chip and all the work towards that is going towards, coupled with the incredible amount of your tax money into genetic research to complete the mission, to make new types of humans. They have no, you see at the top, like a shark in the sea that scents blood, they have no other course to, to follow. Psychopaths must always follow the same course. They must dominate completely 100% or they feel unsafe and insecure. That's why we're on the path we're going on. And the trick now is to dominate us and convince us that it's all for our own benefit. That's another big lie we've heard over and over and over down through the centuries. Whatever they do to us, they must get us to cheer them on while they do it. And they use patriotism and nationalism when it suits them. And these same characters everyone's forgotten, the same politicians and their fathers were, were talking about the global society before 9-11 started. Now they're, they're, they're yelling nationalism in America. What a farce. And the public have no memory and can't put two and two together. Because once the Middle East is over, suddenly it will be globalism again. And no nationalism. And really, nationalism and internationalism makes no difference because we're in the same system regardless of economics. It must come out at the same ending eventually. It has no option. In a system where wealth is glorified, where everyone is terrified at the bottom of the same things of poverty, illness, friendlessness, because you have no friends at the bottom, no one loves you when you're down and out, as the song goes then you have a, an, exa an exaggerated need for money and then you want to be get it by any means possible and then you're willing to exploit others to do so. The ones at the top are simply better at exploiting because they have no conscience at all. Psychopathy is a field which must be studied by everyone. It's not deep. It's not difficult at all to understand. It's rather simple, really. Children can be made to understand it quite easily and be, be educated in what to look out for within their own social groups and generation. Because the psychopath must always show themselves to the rest of them by the same techniques. They can do nothing else. It doesn't mean you must hate the psychopaths either, but the same token, if you have a dog that you love very much and he gets rabies, you still love the dog. But you know it's dangerous, you have to do something. It's the same with the psychopath. The part that, that should have emotion in the brain is simply not functioning. And our problem today is there are so many of them, so, so many of them, because we've had the big elites down through the centuries who made their wealth and money during the industrial era and the opium wars and all the other wars they had us all involved in, and they've been interbreeding for centuries and centuries, and they have many, many branches of their families. And not only that, at the very bottom structure of society, you have the same phenomena, because 
so often within any family you'll have the occasional psychopath born. There's always ones coming up from the bottom as well. And these are the ones who gravitate again to the power structures which they can get entrance to, which is generally the military or the police or lower bureaucracies, some position of authority. The psychopath worships those who have authority above them. They'll worship them and try to get up there too. But they despise, utterly despise the weak and those down beneath them. They used to call it the authoritarian figure, but in reality, it's a sadomasochistic personality. And that's what the psychopath is comprised of. We are in desperate trouble, desperate trouble. And we are on the path to say to total domination. Where experts will run every facet of our lives. They already are in many cases. You have children's aid societies and a whole bunch of organizations they can just snatch your child from you if you don't conform according to their standards or you teach them something different that's not in their curriculum or what they decide is antisocial or whatever name they give to it. They go for the elderly now. They grab them, put them in hospitals under any pretense. They don't want them out once they're there. They want to get the other spouse in so they can grab the home and sell it off. That is standard procedure today. It's utter robbery. And it's happening all over, not just the Americas, but Europe as well. Because we have the same system all over the Western Hemisphere. This is one system. One system. You can't keep the old, they say, and come into the new. And that's the question I'm often asked. What can we have from this system that we can bring through to some other way? And I keep telling you, you can't bring any of the old with you if you would have another way. Because the old part is just a part of the cancer. And it will start to spread all over again. We have to rethink what we're here for. And we have to start getting involved in decision making at the very bottom to the very top. For the first time. Because you know, it's never been done before. The ordinary people have never had a chance to decide for themselves what life's all about. We're given the agenda, we're given the rules, we're given the formulas, we're taught the formulas, and we wonder why nothing is working for us. Whether it's getting up any economic ladder as you compete with everyone else and become vicious yourself in order to do so, or you fail and fall down to the bottom and blame yourself for not being strong enough or vicious enough, or why your own personal relationships are falling apart, or why your children hate you. You've got to read the books from the guys at the top who've been running this system and published their own works widely since the late 1800s through the 1900s onwards because they meant what they say in those books. They meant it, and they've done it. They said they'd set up vast institutions of experts to run everyone's lives for them. The reason they were living in a dysfunctional system dysfunctional society and dysfunctional family is that it's not a natural system. There's nothing in it that gives you any peace. It's not designed to give you peace. In fact, go down through history, you won't find a generation that's been given a peace right through their whole life. They've either had a war, a physical war brought on, or a civil war, or they've had an economic war or depression. We're not allowed to relax in this system. Why is that? 
it's hard to, you see, when you have an agenda at the top, it's hard to get the sheep moving once they start relaxing and grazing in that field. They want to keep you moving. When, you keep, when, you're, when you're moving all the time, you have nothing com- to compare the present and where you're going to. The past is gone and it's a blur. You don't remember it. But if you graze too long, you have memory and you might want to keep that part of existence where you are right now. It's hard to get you moving again. And this is the simple techniques that's used on the general public. Speedo, speedo, as the Japanese say. We are trained like animals. And again, in the higher colleges, the higher universities, they turn out the top sociologists and behaviorists. They understand all of these sciences how to motivate people, vast herds of people, and they call them herds too. They're unabashed about it. And it works. It works very, very well because we're all moving towards the same things at the same time. Therefore, when everyone else is there and you try to compare yourself, are you normal? Obviously, you must be when you all want the same things at the same time as everyone else. They also rely upon snob appeal and keeping up with the Joneses. But you know you'll never really get there, will you? I'll be back after the following messages. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows. Hi, folks. Alan Watt here with Cutting Through the Matrix. And just before I go to the last caller, I'd like to mention that I do have books for sale. That keeps me going. That keeps me afloat here. As long as I can get some orders coming in, I can keep going. And I also have DVDs and CDs, 12-hour CDs on ancient history and religions and so on how they developed, how they were used, how it worked on the public through different civilizations. So look at the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, for information on this. Now, Todd in California, are you there? Hey, Alan, how are you? Not so bad. Pleasure to talk to you. I've been listening to you for a while. Thanks again for all your hard work and helping uh, the human race wake up a little bit. Um, first question is, why not use PayPal? I tried to buy some of your stuff. I'm just, I guess I'm lazy. I want to go to the the post office and your uh, money order, why don't you use PayPal so people can buy your stuff easier? Have you thought about that? I've thought about it, but I'll tell you, that, that, that I might get it yet, but my biggest concern is um, I do know there's a lot of hoaxes out there that big companies can survive when they get fake orders coming in that are suddenly retracted again, uh, mm. whereas I couldn't because I'm not a company. I, I don't have staff and so on, okay. so I do all this myself. And at least with, uh, it's very hard to recall the checks, for instance. Now, personal checks are fine within Canada and the States. I have no problem with them. Okay. Uh, but PayPal, I'll have to look into in more detail in order to, to keep track of it. Because understand they can withdraw orders up to so many days, uh, three weeks, in fact, something like that. Okay. Yeah, me personally, um, you know, eBay and kind of the major commercial sites, I haven't had any issues with PayPal. But uh, that was one of the things I'm like, wow. You got such great information to help uh, people, and it's uh, just it would be nice to get it easier, make payment easier than going out to the post office and sending a check. But that's a little feedback on that. I love your stuff, but really, my 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 question is is, Alan, you know, I listened to you for a long time, 
and, you know, people are brainwashed, but people are choosing to, to, be, to sleep. Yeah. What percentage, in terms of you talk about the system and the ruling class and how they kind of manipulate us and control us, what percentage do you think they have over our consciousness? Is it 50%, 75%, and what percentage do people actually choose to say, you know what, I don't want to hear the truth. Let me watch my baseball tonight. Well, they've done the same study for 100 years at major universities on this very thing. And they've asked them questions like, do you really care which flag is over you or what type of system is over you if you can keep uh, your, your basic little hobbies and your routines and so on, your fun things? And they've found out the same pretty well statistics up until recently. Uh, up until 10 years ago, I think 87% of the public couldn't care less which flag they flew under as long as they had their toys and goodies and could carry on and go to the pub and all the rest of it. And they found that 3% of, of the elite run the world, uh, 3% uh, are powerless financially but understand how the system wow. is run. And the rest of them are, are the, the, the ones who help the power structure keep itself maintained, the police, military, bureaucracies, etc. So about 86%, generally 87%, don't really care in, in any age what, really, what flag they are under or what it's called. However, in the last few studies, they've found that almost 90% don't care. Wow. Yeah, I believe that. I woke up and I tried to talk to people. It's like, I'm sleeping, leave me alone. <laughs> yes, that's pretty well it, yeah. But it's a pleasure to talk to someone that's uh, conscious and uh, listen. looking forward to hearing more of your, your talk, Alan. And you got that PayPal. <laughs> Will do. Thanks again. Well, for me and Hamish, my dog, it's, it's getting that time up here in Ontario, Canada. It's good night, me your God or your gods. Go with you.